ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Back again. Peak speak. Back. We have returned to this particular universe. <laughs> uh, ready to talk about power. <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> if Great. only it was that simple ready to take off into the cosmos i heard uh, matt matt vincent who i continue to follow a lot talks about this idea of um like universe creation and he's so he's describing like the gym that he's building at the moment which is basically like a studio home for his brand hmm. uh not a public commercial facility as his spaceship he's like you know he's creating this universe where he gets to be surrounded by the people that he wants to be surrounded by and go on the journeys that he wants to go on and explore all the areas that he wants to explore and he's all about uh being a part of other people's universes and being able to see what they've created which is a really interesting concept because it's that um fuck what's that really long german word is it schadenfreude is that the one i'm thinking of where it's I like the so. realization that everyone has their you know every person you work past on the street has their own infinitely complex and yeah diverse world and, and universe it's yeah fascinating yeah yeah I, I think that you can take that in so many different directions like i speak of a similar concept i suppose when i talk to people about social media um and the fact that you know you've got this this incredible power in your hands to if we're using the universe analogy, get rid of all the fucking asteroids and meteorites, just fucking yeah, unfollow, block, get away. Yeah. It's so interesting when you do that, how quickly you realize that certain uh, that certain people exist 
Yeah. I, I mean, that's the harsh reality of it, right? Yeah, yeah. But they disappear. And unless you actively seek them out or talk about them or hear them spoken about, you forget they're there. Yeah. I do. There are plenty of people in the fitness and powerlifting industry that I forget exist mm. because I don't follow them on and like made an active choice not to follow them on Instagram or on Facebook. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite refreshing. Yeah, it's just so interesting. Like people dig themselves or create these universes for them and feel trapped in them. It's like you yeah. you are the god of this universe. You don't yeah. have to be trapped. People and are the, trapped in your universe. Fucking kick them out. That and that's the the funny thing about people who spend their life uh, perpetuating bullshit on social media about calling other people out about their behaviors or that sort of thing it's like man you just it, it seems to me like you've wasted so much time expressing negative emotions and the world's already got enough of that shit going mm. around and it would be so much simpler to just turn those people off from your universe and ignore them and just focus on your own shit mm. yeah I, i'm trying really hard uh to implement a no scroll policy for myself i'm failing oh, yeah. miserably but i'm trying yeah, really too. hard I'm fucking to atrocious at it to have social media and use it for the outlet that it is in terms of making posts, uh, talking to people, connecting with people, acquiring new business, etc., without looking what goes on on social media. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's tough. It's difficult. It, yeah, it's, it's really hard to have, have the best of both worlds. Like, um, yeah. 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 Anyway. I, like, I quite like scrolling. That's the thing is that I think there's, for me, there's a... a meditative benefit to it like just turning my brain off occasionally it's about how you dose that that's mm. the thing that i think is most interesting um because it's very easy to just like pick it up scroll through it see nothing put it down and then two seconds later pick it back up again and do exactly the same thing ad nauseum and uh yeah i'd prefer not to do that yeah and i mean i'm beating a dead horse by saying this because you hear it in in all ways shapes and forms um but like having it on my phone and being like, oh, that person hasn't sent the video, but I saw them post it. I'm going to go to their page and just quickly look at oh, what the technique dude. was like and then put it down and then look back at the screen and be like, what? Where did the last 20 minutes go and why did I not look at their video? <laughs> yeah, that for me has been one of the biggest benefits of having a dedicated coaching like uh, platform because it removes that temptation i still yeah. fucking do it all the time yeah well i was gonna say uh, i've got that but i still go onto instagram if they haven't sent something through to be like i know you did that deadlift yeah yeah exactly and i think that um that separation when i first did it made such a difference not mm. having to like scroll through messenger and facebook notifications and stuff like that i'm actually in the process of moving our members like burley members yeah, group off facebook onto slack uh, I've just got to now convince everyone to actually fucking do it because that's always <laughs> the hard part is getting people to come across. Yeah. Uh, but that's already been positive. Like I just don't have to look at Facebook as regularly, um, which all plays a role in hopefully me being a more productive and useful member of society. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this this conversation segues nicely into what, I, what we wanted to talk about today, which is the stuff around time management. Um, and I mean, like... the. We as coaches hear the age-old adage all the time, I don't have time, I can't make time, 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 time. Uh, I don't want to say the word excuse, but time as a reason to not do something, uh, read excuse. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's so interesting when you stop seeing things as, uh, uh, stop seeing things as uh, the amount of time that you have versus what's important, what's a priority. 
Uh, because ultimately yeah. that's any any discussion around time management has to sort of start and end with that it's it's less about the actual time that you have versus what the priorities are yeah that's been an interesting thing to reflect on for myself having now been a parent for like three years where i've i've, I've noticed in myself a very significant shift away from spending time with people outside of my immediate family Mm. Uh, and like there's a select group of people that I still spend time with regularly but for the most part I I don't think I ever made a conscious choice to like let some of those relationships you know dissipate a little bit but it was the shift in priorities of like well I, I am at work a lot I don't get to see my son in the evenings you know or necessarily the mornings uh, there are a lot of times where I'm at work and prioritizing that and in the times where I'm not I'd rather be with my family and you know sacrificing a whole Sunday for something other than work suddenly becomes a very different uh, discussion around like what am I doing and when I'm a much much less spontaneous person if like if you haven't booked me in for a social event mm. like a month to six weeks out I'm probably not coming uh, because it's it's just about priorities and I think that that for me is where like training in the morning like I ride my bike at 6am I do those things because I know that if I get them done first thing in the morning that's that priority for the day ticked and I don't have to think about it anymore. And it's for me sacrificing, uh, you know, sleep, things like that in favor of then being able to spend time with the family instead of training, you know, like how those priorities have evolved over the last few years has been interesting to reflect on. And I think uh, you go through stages in life at various points for various reasons where you'll see an evolution in that. And I think sometimes it's conscious and sometimes it's a, a reflection of a change in circumstance. And I, mm. I don't ever think it's bad unless you've made conscious choices that you now disagree with. But uh, mm. yeah, it's interesting to reflect on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the, the big change for me is just like the expansion of business and especially the um, – uh, having more than one gym uh, yeah. you know, I, I can't compare it to having a child because I don't know what having a child's like and I'm sure it's infinitely more demanding than you know controlling a bunch of really big children um, <laughs> I don't but know. have you had to wipe many asses lately? Um, yeah, some people's shoulder mobility is pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> no. um, yeah but I mean like in, in, uh, in much the same principle fashion it's just a, a very rapid lesson in figuring out what is a priority and, and what you need to change in order to make sure that all the priorities are met. I think a, a really interesting thing for me personally um, is I've had to really learn to try and empathize what other people's experience of time is um, and, you know uh, as, as mammals we require human connection of some sort. And I feel like I've got a genetic mutation that maybe uh, requires a lot less time than other people seem to require. Uh, and basically it's just like, you know, I need to be aware of what people need from me as a person uh, in whatever capacity, whatever hat I'm wearing, whether it, whether it's, you know, boyfriend hat for Sarah or coach hat for client or, um, you know, leader hat for staff, whatever. Um, th- there's There's a certain like amount of empathy that needs to go and understanding what other people need from you to have you function in your own little world accordingly um, that's been a really tough lesson for me to learn because i require so little from people um, and so 
um, the idea that people require more from me is quite difficult to swallow. Uh, but it's yeah. just been something that I've had to work out how to prioritize uh, to make sure that relationships, that communication, that all of that stuff that's actually important in life uh, gets ticked off. Yeah, and that recognizing other people's priorities and other people's experiences of how those priorities affect their choices is sometimes hard to come across as a coach because certainly early on in my coaching career, I wanted to coach people who put training in their top three priorities. Mm. You know, like I recognized that that was what I liked. Training was one of the biggest parts of my life. And so I wanted to coach people like that. And I was big on the view that like, if you didn't want to do the work, I didn't fucking want to work with you. Mm. And that's your problem. Uh, and I definitely still have that view, but I recognize that for some people, the work is two sessions a week for 60 minutes and that they're quite happy just chugging along doing that work and they don't really want to mentally engage in it and they just want to tick that box and be done with it. And they don't dislike it, but it's something that that's where it sits in their priorities. And then there are other people who are me five, six years ago who are fucking live and breathing powerlifting and improving their knowledge and understanding and focusing on minutia. And there's everyone in between and no one on that, nowhere on that spectrum is right or wrong. And I think having had that realization has made me a significantly more effective salesman because I can meet people where they are in a way that I couldn't before Mm -hmm. and and ask enough questions to figure out exactly where that priority sits. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it is a discussion like, hey, maybe you don't need to spend $40 a week on going to the gym. Maybe what you need to do is just fucking go for a walk twice a week, you know, or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this isn't the hobby for you because you're trying to find this one thing that's going to be the thing that, you know, is your reason for living. And maybe you spend six months doing it and you don't like it and that's fine and you move on. Like all of those experiences are perfectly valid and actually the more I mature as a person, the more my business caters for people across that whole spectrum. Mm. Early on, I was very distinct about like, this is the sort of person I wanted. And that worked really well for a period of time. Uh, But now that I don't have that passion in the same way, it's hard to sell that as the goal because I recognize from my own experience that it's probably not a sustainable thing for Mm. the vast majority of the population. And so therefore I'm much more interested in preaching an idea like that idea of balance and recognizing that ultimately how much you want to put into this is entirely up to you. And I'm not going to judge you at all on what I think is optimal or what I think you should be doing or anything like that. All I'm going to do is try and meet you where you are and then support you in that journey. And I Mm. think recognizing that my goal is still to walk beside someone, not in front of them or behind them. But in order to walk beside them, occasionally you do have to step in front and occasionally you do have to step behind and push a little bit or pull a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that recognizing that occasionally being a, a motivator is a useful tool. I was never very good at that. I've always liked the idea that I'm a fucking terrible cheerleader and I'm a good coach because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not very good at telling you when you're doing well. I'm very incredibly good at telling you when you're not doing well because that for me is how I function best. Like I don't need you to tell me that I'm doing well. That's Mm. not the sort of criticism, not the sort of compliment I do well with uh, because it always just feels a bit patronizing. I'd rather just be told you suck at this, be better at it. And I'd be like, all right, fuck yeah, let's do that and pursue it that way. And so, yeah, I think that empathy and understanding where people come to the table and and the the stories and, and bias and, 
experiences that they bring to the table, recognizing the spectrum that they exist on has been a really uh, impactful change on, on my overall coaching philosophy. Hmm. One big thing th- that you've highlighted there as well is that it's, it's easy to blur the line either as a coach or a client uh, between uh, coaching in whatever sport or endeavor uh, that you're doing uh, versus life coaching. Mm. Um, and when it comes down to this this question of time management, which is ultimately a question of priority, um, you know, you, you cannot expect a coach to make uh, the list of priorities for you. That's that's only something that you can do. What the coach can do or what you can do as a coach, if you're listening to this to do is help that person be aware of the fact that they need to prioritize, help them, uh, you know, create a process of how they can prioritize to figure out where things fit in. But ultimately, that's up to the person to to make the choice, right? Think think of it in terms of like nutrition. Everyone knows that eating KFC six times a week is probably going to be a bad idea. Um, that doesn't stop people from eating KFC six times a week. If you ask them, if you go to them and say, you're going to get fucking diabetes and you need to stop eating KFC six times a week, they're going to be like, cool, anyway, I'm on the way to KFC, see ya. It's like, no, how do you get to them to create the idea of health is a priority for you for these yes. reasons? They need to arrive that to that conclusion between, before a message of eating KFC six times a week is going to do anything. That's why yeah. that's what's so wrong with conventional health messaging is that so often it's targeted at people who are willing to change. The people that are broken and dying and diseased are the people that aren't willing to change. You know, they have all the education, they don't have the drive to change. And like only they can arrive to that by priority. And it's just like in lifting, just like prioritizing training and prioritizing time for nutrition and performance and sleep and everything like that. It's about working out where does this thing, this goal that you want, fall in order of a priority and then aligning both the priorities and the expectations to create the best outcome if your expectation is to be the best fucking lifter ever uh and your training your nutrition your sleep falls very low on the priority list they don't match up there's not going to be a lot of action there it's like there has to be this match of priority and expectation for things to work and there can occasionally be a little bit of a mismatch in that area. Like sure. you can have your expectations above and beyond. And sometimes it's the it's the job of a coach to point out like, hey, maybe there is a mismatch in your expectations of progress or performance and your willingness to do the required work. Uh, and that's the, the discussion I have with a lot of people, especially people who come in talking a big game about wanting to be really successful in powerlifting and, and those sort of things is first off pointing out that whatever it is that you're about to start is probably a multi-year journey. Uh, And a lot of people are put off just by that fact itself. Mm. And so recognizing that that shift in priorities doesn't have to be immediate, right? Like you don't have to go from someone who's like, hey, I'm only going to get into powerlifting because I want to be the best. You can go, hey, I like lifting weights and I want to try this competition thing. And then you can do that for a couple of years and and enjoy it at priority five, let's say. And then over time, you might get more invested in it and you'll become, it'll move higher up that priority list. And I think a good coach can help you identify where that is and Mm. where it's going by asking the right questions. And I think that for me is something I've just gotten better at over time by having more conversations is, is asking the right questions about, okay, well, like what does the rest of your week look like? What do you like to do outside of the gym? Those sort of things that I used to not think were particularly important questions, but now instead of my first question being like, how many days a week do you train? 
it's more a case of like, okay, we'll describe your average week. What do you like? What's a good week look like? What's a bad week look like? And how do we make this work for you? Because maybe that ideal of like, hey, you want to be the person that goes to the gym five days a week is actually entirely unrealistic Mm. because you just don't have a schedule that allows that. Maybe you're that person that has to live on three sessions of 60 minutes a week. And like, that's fine too. But being able to ask the right questions in that aspect is I think such an undervalued skill in the coaching world. Uh, And it's ultimately like a skill of communication and connection that I think can be taught, but can also, also kind of has to be experienced and has to be developed sort of naturally over time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that really ticks the big boxes in terms of like starting the conversation around time management because it has to, like I said, start and end with priority. In terms of then actually, you know, tangibly addressing the the idea of time management, the next big thing is skill. It's like once you get good at what you're doing, you become more efficient at it. And so like even though, you know, when you hear the word skill when it comes to training, you're thinking technique or whatever. Skill in, in terms of efficiency of your warm-up routine the better you get at it the more you know what to expect of it the quicker you can go through it it's not about trying to rush it's about as you get more skilled and trained you don't have to spend time being like okay he wants me to do a leg press which one was that how does he want me to perform you get more skilled at self self-organizing and self-managing um i but probably when it comes down to time management in the gym and i feel like this isn't it shouldn't be a conversation that we have to have it's like fuck are you you taking your phone are you talking to people between sets are you actually being aware of how much time in the gym that you're training versus spending in the gym because if your excuse if your if your line is training takes too long or i can't commit to this my sessions are three hours or whatever that's not on the program that's on you yeah show me a program that takes truly takes three hours with appropriate rests and you'll die in week one because the volume would be like fucking 100 sets per session a a workout does not take three hours yeah if you've got the time and enjoy doing that fucking power to you i don't care but don't use time as an excuse and then say your sessions take three hours and that's that's the discussion i always used to have was like equip squatting used to take me three or four hours and like part of that was it genuinely takes a long fucking time to do enough warm-ups to spend five minutes between sets letting my blood pressure return to moderately normal and my hearing to come back before i do another set That's the worst oh dude and it was always like fucking 90 seconds like yeah. i could start a timer and 90 seconds later i'd be like halfway through a conversation be like hold on <laughs> exactly uh anyway but I know I could have done that in a lot faster. Like I, if I'd wanted to, I could have pushed harder and got that done in two hours, two mm-hmm. and a half hours, maybe. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the long training sessions. I have no fucking desire to do a training session that looks like that anymore. If I'm going to do something for four hours, I'm probably going to go ride my bike for four hours mm-hmm. and like you know, ride from one side of camera to the other uh, as opposed to being a fucking dingy warehouse lifting heavy weights, listening to metal um, because my priorities have changed. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that epidemic of... I'm a power lifter, therefore I need to spend hours resting and my training takes heaps of hours and that makes me really fucking hardcore is such bullshit. Mm. Because for the most part, I think the vast majority of those people could get their sessions done at a push in half the time or less. And actually the amount of time they think they're putting into training and the associated parts of training is so insignificant when you compare it to the fact that a a week has 168 hours or something in it like that. You know, that 10 hours of training that you spend is 
actually probably not that significant. Mm. I tell you what, like uh, I've got you know Andrew Cooper, the n- the new bench record holder, right? Yes, he, he's what very a fucking freak. He's very fresh to powerlifting. Like he did yeah. his first comp just before lockdown. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember that. And uh, then obviously lockdown happened, and we started after that. Um, so he's he's not really immersed in the powerlifting world, and as such, he hasn't done powerlifting training, and as such, doesn't have a lot of the stigma behind powerlifting training. And he's you know got a full time job. He's got five kids. He'll come oh, in. So many kids. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> he came in. His session the other day was uh, two fifty for three sets of four, and he did uh, that was his top sets, and then he did three um, bottom sets of like two twenty for sets of four. So six sets over two twenty. Um, and he did the whole thing in like 30 minutes from, from start to finish of walking the gym, doing warm-ups, um, as in like pre-training movement stuff, then warming up two, two fifty, three sets, then three drop sets in half an hour because like no one's told him, Hey, rest 10 minutes between sets. Yeah. So he does a set and two minutes later, he's doing another set. It's, it's so yeah. cool to watch because it doesn't have that automatic stigma. And if you've, if you just train like that, if you train with short rest periods, if you build your conditioning and foster that skill, your training goes so much quicker. And it's like, what the fuck do I do with all this extra time? I'm amazed at the amount of work I can get done in an hour these days. Like (laughs) compared to the amount of bullshit that I had to, I felt like I had to do for a powerlifting training session. Like I can get through the equivalent volume in 55 minutes still with a bit of time wasted because I was scrolling Instagram and just generally fucking around a bit, you know? And I think that this idea that we have to rest for eight minutes between sets because like that's what you get in competition is bullshit (laughs) um and almost always detrimental to your long-term performance because i think if you can be someone like uh like cooper and be able to fucking hammer through it in that much time when you've got all that extra rest you'll be like oh i feel fucking great because i'm just like chilled and and ready to go and it may it means that you don't become the person that complains about a pal if you meet going too quickly yeah like the fucking number of times i've heard people complain that the meat went too fast like i'm sorry but you are just fat and unfit and that is (laughs) your fault and not the meat director's fault because it shouldn't you shouldn't need an eight hour meat to get your three fucking lifts done it it shouldn't take that long you shouldn't be that out of shape and i know i know that because i was that person yeah and i recognize now that that was such a big limiting factor to my performance overall Mm. uh that I you know, kind of wish I could have changed it, but it's something that I'd much rather instill in the lifters that I coach now. Because, mm-hmm. hey, the, to be honest, there are more entertaining things to do than spend your life in a gym lifting weights, and they will probably ultimately be beneficial to the fact that you lift weights in a gym. Mm. Uh, yeah. So then I think the next thing that, that comes into this is like, you know, prioritize whatever the priorities are and find out how much training fits in. Uh, work out your training and, you know, don't fucking take four hours to do it. 30 minute session uh the next thing is like kind of micro priorities within training like if you are truly short on time to the point where the idea of adequate training volumes or whatever don't fit into the time that you have um, you're going to need to be good at uh, either doing this yourself or working with your coach to prioritize what are the most important things to do what is the best use of your time while you're in the gym to get the most out of your training yeah um so once again it it just kind of comes back to uh priority and i mean like uh, that's really hard to give further tangible advice on, right? It's going to yeah. be so so independently determined. I, but it's certainly something that I try and explain to people in 
setting up training programs and showing them through their program is like, hey, this, like generally I write my programs as priority one to priority five or six, right? Like top Mm. to bottom, that's the priority order. So if you're going to drop things, drop things at the end. You know, if you can only get the main stuff in, get the first exercise done, just call it. Like having those discussions that then allows the lifters to make those decisions themselves. Um, because it should be kind of obvious if you've been training for a little while, like, hey, maybe my time is better spent doing those squats than that leg press mm. uh, and recognizing that there are times where dropping something out of training completely is okay. There are other times where maybe you couldn't get it in in that session, so you move it to a different session or you rearrange your training week. Like All of these things are skills that you learn as you develop as a lifter if you're engaged in the process in a way that allows you to understand why the coach is making those decisions Mm. um and it's the you know it's the reason a three-day program looks different from a four-day program because it's less time it's different priorities you've potentially you're addressing things in four days worth of training that you're not in three days Mm. and again it doesn't make them better or worse it's just about understanding those decisions and as a coach having a framework for how you make those decisions i think is also important for sure i feel like if we continue we're just going to keep beating a dead horse and kind of reiterate the same points but i do want to i do want to end with this because it's an important point to make which is if your goal and your expectation is to be an elite level powerlifter, like the the time required for training for that and we've said we say this all the time is so low compared to other other elite level sports yeah like you're, you're talking eight to ten hours in the gym plus let's account for you know two hours of meal prep stuff and then prioritizing sleep it's not actually a huge ask which is great for us as as powerlifters or as powerlifting coaches that's fucking awesome because like there's not a big ask it's not like we're asking you to uh do eight hours of training plus between every waking hour of training you're stuffing yourself with food to get the kind of caloric requirement you need to accommodate that much training it's really not that tough no not at all and i think that that fact in itself if you can understand that and then apply it regularly and consistently for several years you've got the recipe for something really big and powerful i think it's the recognizing that that's the case and then actually what you're trying to do is jam three years worth of work into six months Mm. and it just doesn't work like that yep 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 all right goodbye friends see you friends see you next time